I can't believe Scruff had all those old earth artifacts in his shop. Do you know if any of those were faked? Well, I do remember from getting my license that the ancient earth people did make forgeries. Uh, sometimes they were well known. I, I think they called those knockoffs. Well, that makes sense. We could fake some items to score some quick credits, right? Perhaps a fancy bag or a jacket or scarf or socks. That's not quite ethical. Socks aren't ethical? They keep your feet warm. Selling fake designer brand socks isn't ethical. Not to mention with CryoCore's augmented interdimensional reality scanners, it would be pretty difficult to pass off something that wasn't genuine. Well, that's disappointing. I could easily imagine myself delving into my creative side to make some nice-looking industrial chic apparel. You mean putting gears and sprockets everywhere? Yeah, that's the stuff. I believe that was called steampunk. You know, that's a pretty ridiculous name. What do gaseous forms of water and that old music genre have anything in common? Well, it's actually based on the late 18th century technology. That's when steam engines were really popular. Well, maybe people used to steam their socks. Uh, they were an interesting group. And that was a fascinating time in mankind's history. Before the start of the engineered pocket black hole, third worst day in Earth's history. Third? Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess that doesn't really compare to... We don't have time to get into that. But I did find something to get into. What, another surrender bite? Where did you find this one? It was in one of the Tamagotchis. Honestly, they seem to be everywhere. I don't know why anyone hasn't noticed them until now. Did you check them all before we took them to Gatsby? Yeah, but only one had a Serendibite attached to a battery. Must have been modified years after it was created. I don't, I don't think Serendibites were around back when Tamagotchis were popular. We're unraveling the mysteries of these crystals. Things are Don't looking... say it. Crystal clear. Why do I even bother? Let's take a listen, shall we? It's going to be a long way to the escapade. <laughs> And that's why the atmospheric conditions on Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, and Uranus allow for diamond mining in the rain. Hope you brought your umbrella. <laughs> and we're back, broadcasting from our studio on the pale blue dot we call Earth. We've got a great short for you today. Much like the reusable template that we use on our podcast, we believe in the importance of recycling. It's nothing like the second use. So the author Robert Swan said, the greatest threat to our planet is the belief that someone else will save it. Now, recycling can be defined as the action or process of converting waste into reusable material. Uh, have you ever heard of a recyclet? I have, a, but have. for our listeners out there that may not have. Okay, just in case it? you guys don't know. It's a raw material that's taken by a processing facility and then processed into something else. For example, uh of plastic bottles recycled into plastic pellets. Hmm. Well, I'm sure you're very familiar with Terry Swearingen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the nurse and winner of the Goldman Environmental Prize in 1997. Read her book. Right. Put it Who wouldn't be? So Terry had said, we are living on this planet as if we had another one to go to, but we don't currently, at least at the time of this recording. Not yet, but yeah. who knows? One day, maybe we'll be out in space and... Sleeping in cryopods, making a long, good journey. In a multi-planetary civilization. Oh, yeah. Run by corporations. Oh, it's got to be an evil corporation, too. One can dream. Yeah. Now, there's no significant time or event that marked the true beginning of recycling. Items have been reused and repurposed as long as humans have been around. People have been reusing recycling for a very, very long time. In fact, they were much better than we are. 
Um, if you didn't use items, there was no sanitation service to come pick them up and take away the garbage. Things just piled up in your house. Kind of like uh, the episode of Hoarders? Yes. Except that was turning into a systemic thing. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was no intervention of the family. Oh, it wasn't at all. So paper recycling can be dated back to 1031 in Japan. In America, the Rittenhouse mill recycled fabric, cloth, cotton, and linen and converted it into paper. Uh, in New York City specifically, a statue of King George III was torn down, melted, and then used for bullets for the War of Independence against Britain. <laughs> Wow. So we <laughs> used the king of Britain's head to make bullets to shoot the British forces. Yeah. <laughs> America. <laughs> America. If that's not American, I don't know what it is. Uh, we also, we made over 40,000 bullets from the statue. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it would have been more, but the mob that tore the statue down uh, took the head and a few other parts. So the head actually was never melted down. It disappeared and was lost to history. I don't think I've ever been more proud to be American. Yeah. <laughs> Now, have you ever heard of something being shoddy? Hmm. Like that's yeah. a that's a shoddy craftsmanship or something. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That actually comes from uh a guy named Benjamin Law. He invented a process which grinds old rags and clothes down to be respun into yarn in eighteen thirteen, and he dubbed it for whatever reason the shoddy process. Uh it's where the term comes from. And for whatever reason, it refers to poor workmanship now, um, but it originated from cheap wool made from this process. And then in 1897, New York City employed the first official recycling center. It was actually similar to what we utilize today. It was basically a sorting center where people could come and pick up unwanted refuse that had been sorted into piles, uh, piles like metal, fabric, or paper. And then uh, just a few years later, 1904, Chicago had Chicago. The f- Chicago. Get a hot dog. Go watch Dub Bears. Recycle your aluminum. Get me the cans. <laughs> <laughs> but they know they had a recycling center of aluminum cans, uh, 1904. Uh, that was in, in many thanks to the Hall Harold process, which was developed in 1886. Now that produced roughly 99.5% pure aluminum at a manufacturable 940 to 980 degrees Celsius. It's actually much hotter if you melt aluminum from ore. Hmm. Uh, it's it's much more uh, efficient and beneficial to recycle aluminum. There's a very high efficiency rate compared to creating aluminum from aluminum ore. Well, well I mean, I use aluminum foil all the time, especially in the kitchen in order to cook stuff. And... Reynolds aluminum foil? Reynolds aluminum Heavy duty. It's got to be heavy duty. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, you need to use that in order to plug any kind of holes you might have in, like, a window or a wall or something. Yeah. You never know when uh, you might breach a new idea when cooking. Yeah. Everything's got to be ship shape. When you're cooking, you'll typically use olive oil or fat, right? Yeah. Coconut fat, uh, vegetable oil, canola oil. So, cooking fat was recycled during the First and Second World Wars, and it was recycled into explosives. Wait. Hold the boat. Let's go try an experiment. I want to blow up something. <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty of oil down in the kitchen. We can do this. <laughs> uh, warning to our listeners, we do not endorse and or promote uh, homemade explosives. America. Using it's fats. almost the 4th of July. Let's <laughs> yes. do this. In 1955, Life Magazine published an article entitled Throwaway Living, 
celebrated one-use items, and fostered a time of littering and disregard for the environment. Well, that does not sound very good. What a time to be alive, right? <laughs> in 1970, landfills in three U.S. cities began filling up, and the Container Corporation of America held a contest for the symbol for recycling paper, which they believe was going to increase recycling efforts from other people. Yeah, marketing campaign. Yeah. So this individual, Gary Anderson, an engineering student, won $2,000 for the noted iconic sign that we use today on every single recycling can across the nation. Yep, the three arrows, right? Yeah. In a circular, well, kind of triangular circular fashion. Mm -hmm. He was the one who came up with it, and he was paid $2,000. Wow. That was a lot of money in 1970. It was, but I mean, it's not near what it would be if he was able to trademark and license that. Oh, You think yeah. about it? That's that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, he would have made so much money. Uh, yeah. Well, Just, maybe he recycled his design. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably uh, tossed in the refuse bin. <laughs> Canada came up with the idea of household sorting of recycling materials with a program called the Blue Box Program in 1983, utilized basically worldwide now. Switzerland kicked off the idea of electronic recycling in 1991, one of the first people to do that. Dell was the first company in the U.S. to set up a free recycling program for Dell products. Wow. So you couldn't just take your stuff back to like Best Buy or Circuit City? No, no one would accept it. Do you remember Circuit City? I do. I remember Circuit City. I remember Blockbuster. Oh, Blockbuster. Yeah. Radio I, Shack. Oh, Radio Shack, man. You could just get lost in Radio Shack. I bought my first laptop at Circuit City. Actually. Did you really? Yeah, I had a better deal than uh, the Best Buy did. Ah, nostalgia. Ah, good old days. But back to the present. Uh, 2015, just a few years ago, the UK introduced a five pence charge. Now, five pence is roughly five cents American, Mark. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but so very small charge by any standard. But that was uh, a charge they uh, introduced to use a plastic bag from a shop. From so a, did it work? It did. It dropped their usage of the plastic bags from the shops 80 percent, eight zero percent. It's amazing, just for five cents, just the inconvenience of paying a little bit. That's crazy. Now, today in the U.S., uh, we're up from a measly 6% of solid waste being recycled to over 35% in 2017, nearly having the amount waste of waste going to landfills. So we're actually doing a pretty good job, or well, at least a much better job than we used to do. Mm -hmm. We still do better. Uh, zero waste and zero footprint are the new focus for corporations in this millennium. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard of Amazon going to net zero, uh, similar idea. Now it's, it's technically difficult to produce nearly net zero, um, just because of the economic factors and the logistics, but you know, it's a good goal. It's uh, I think it's, it's respectable that these companies are trying their best to, to make a net zero, uh, ecological footprint. There's one unique way in which a company is trying to achieve that, and it's to upcycle chopsticks. So this is interesting. Over 100,000 chopsticks are thrown away every day in the city of Vancouver, Canada alone. One city in Canada? Yeah. They're not even, they're French. We. Oui. If you think 100,000 chopsticks are thrown out in just one city in Canada, think about how many chopsticks are thrown away worldwide, right? It's crazy. Probably like 200,000. <laughs> yeah, that Canadian city and then one other place. <laughs> so you can imagine upcycling these chopsticks into shelves, tables, cutting boards, and other products. 
One such company, Chop Value, which I looked up earlier, is repurposing chopsticks that otherwise would go straight to the landfill. What are they using? Are they using for the shelves and tables and things? Mm-hmm. So they make an interesting tile using resin and tons of force of the chopsticks compressed together. And then these tiles are basically the b- framework for them building um, whatever they want. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a really good idea. And then chopsticks are basically free. Wow. Yeah. Well, another product that we use quite often that's pretty disposable, uh, thrown away without a second thought, are our drinking straws. Uh, unfortunately, they're nearly impossible to recycle. Uh, every day in the U.S., we use millions of these little guys. Uh, we think we're going green if we use paper straws, but that isn't really helping. Uh, Why is that? Well, paper straws and even paper bags require a lot more energy and resources, uh, such as water, to be produced compared to plastic straws. It's like a lot more energy on the front end. We've got to find a way to reduce the amount of waste that we can. So Dennis Hayes had once said, listen up, you couch potatoes. Each recycled beer can saves you enough electricity to run a television for three hours. That's enough time to just sit, watch your program, and enjoy some R&R. One beer can. That's what you can do. Oh, yeah. Can do attitude. I like it. <laughs> if a product can be clean, repurposed, and resold, it can be recyclable. Uh, recycling today consists of different types of collection methods, including public bins, curbside, pickup, and buyback centers. And those buyback centers are interesting because they themselves clean and return the uh, recyclable materials they have a steady stream of materials because they're paying the customers that are dropping off uh, all the, the waste and refuse. And if they're profitable, they do decrease greenhouse emissions. Unfortunately, if they're not profitable, they kind of increase greenhouse emissions from hmm. all the work they're doing. But there are also dro- uh, drop-off centers for recyclables. Now, in the process of recycling, uh, there are several stages of sorting. Uh, the first is to stage the materials. Uh, this is an automated process uh, that can sort a large truckload in under an hour. Now, the large pieces of cardboard and plastic bags are removed by uh, a conveyor belt. Lighter materials are blown away or sifted through screens. Uh, ferrous objects like tin cans are then pulled out by magnets And non-ferrous objects, like aluminum cans, are separated by inducing an electromagnetic field around the object. That sounds pretty advanced, pretty sci-fi. It took a while to come up with this sorting process. Uh, Glass is then kind of what's left over, and it's sorted by color. And they have high-tech optical sorting machines being used now with advanced AI. These are capable of sorting much faster than uh, just humans would be picking out things from the conveyor belt as it passed by. There's also economic viability in recycling when human labor cost is factored out and basically everything becomes automated. Hmm. Aluminum has an efficiency of 95%. That's pretty good. Yeah. Plastic, 70%. Steel, yeah, 60 pretty good. Decent. Paper, 40 not so great. Cardboard, 24. Mm, pretty bad. Glass down to between 5 to 30. Ouch. However, recycling creates anywhere between 6 to 13 times the jobs created from simple waste disposal alone. Oh, wow. So sorting through and recycling is much better than just throwing away for economy and uh, production. Or it's complicated, but yeah, they can sort it out. Now, there is a Native American proverb I heard. 
that I really loved. It says, we do not inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. Oh, that's a pretty good one. And before we head on out, I wanted to talk about uh, China as an entity that used to be the largest buyer of recyclables until uh, fairly recently. Why would you buy recyclables? So it was cheaper to send recycled goods to China from California than to Arizona. So like, how did things like this even make sense? And why would China buy stuff in the first place? So China was trying to build its infrastructure in the 2000s. And now that it's gotten to the point that it has a lot of raw materials in order to make the things that it needs f- to help float its uh, health, now healthy middle class, they don't need to have any raw materials anymore. So they essentially put the kibosh on any kind of imports of recyclables from any other country. At one point in a six-week period, a newspaper that you read and recycled could end up in China, turned back into newspaper, printed, and then read by a Chinese resident. Wow. Yeah, the turnaround time was crazy. Uh, So due to China accepting all these recyclables, the U.S. and other Western nations um, had no economic incentive to build recycling infrastructure. But yeah, basically it was just cheaper to send it all to China. Yeah, than it was to start building plants because they didn't think that it was ever going to stop. But 2017 began China's Operation National Sword, which halted nearly all import of recycling. And then a lot of people believe that 2017 was a kickoff to a lot of domestic recycling centers and the success of recycling things in your own home country. Wow. So get out there and recycle, folks. Mm -hmm. It's very important. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. We only have one planet, and you know, until we can leave. But then, still, this is our own planet. And speaking of recycling, make sure that this podcast gets listened to multiple times. You can reuse us as much as you want. And on that note, that's our short. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, we exist within the universe. And the universe exists within ourselves. We're all the stuff of stars. So have a stellar day, everyone. And thanks for stopping by our corner of the cosmos. This has been the Mid-Flight Crisis Podcast. You can support important spaceship repairs and maintenance by subscribing to the Mid-Flight Crisis Patreon page. We'd love to hear your suggestions about the show and future topics, and we appreciate your support, ratings, and reviews. This endeavor isn't possible without amazing listeners like you. Thanks for sharing your space and time with us. We'll see you on our next adventure. Support for the Mid-Flight Crisis and the following message comes from our sponsor. 